Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare, a medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine. He is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, folks, well, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. As always, I am your host, Dr. Luis Sandoval. Always a pleasure to be here. Hey, folks, we're coming up on here on a new year, and what are we going to do? You know, why do I ask that? Every year, we start thinking about New Year's resolutions, what I should be doing, uh, not doing enough, I need to change up what I do. Well, today's show, I really wanted to focus on New Year's resolutions, but a little bit of a different angle. Uh, instead of, you know, making New Year's resolutions where we set all these goals for ourselves, I think we need to take a different perspective. But before we get into that, let's go ahead and start with the Angelus here at the top of the noon hour. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. We are protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke and we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Our Lady, undoer of knots, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, folks. Well, <clears throat> interesting start of the new year. I was thinking about a few things. You know, I was watching some cartoons with my kids, and it was interesting because it was cartoons about New Year and holiday cartoons, Christmas cartoons and whatnot. And there was one where there was a New Year, and they showed the old year as an old decrepit man. I'm sure you've seen this before. You know, the old year is getting older, and, and, the, and they personify it as almost like a grandfather-type figure who is on his deathbed. And then they show the New Year, and it's his brand-new baby. Uh, you know, it, it was a little brand new baby boy, and, and that was the new year. That was 2023 coming up, and 2022 is uh, is gone. And so I didn't know, you know, the kids were asking me, why did they do that? And honestly, I, I, I'd always seen those images. I always knew that, you know, that was the old year was the, the last year was old, and the new year was new. And um, But I never thought of it before as personified like that, where I thought, wow, the, the old year died. You know, and how do I explain that to my kids? I just said, oh, you know, the, the year got older and, and there's a new year. I didn't really explain the death part to them because, well, you know, to the level that they could understand. But mostly because I wasn't prepared. Uh, not because there's anything wrong with that, but there, I just wasn't prepared to how to explain death to them. Don't want to get into that big conversation. But then it had me thinking for a little while. And I thought, wow, it really is. A, it's a death. 
right? So there's a death there. There's, there's something that's going away. And we start the new year. And whenever we start the new year, you're always going to hear New Year's resolutions of what's the classic thing you're going to see right now. And around the new year season, you're going to see a whole lot of advertisements for exercise because most people, new year classic is I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to get in better shape. And that's the new year resolution. It's a classic new year resolution. Um, there's other new year's resolutions, but you know, advertisement, they really know how to get us. They, they want, they want uh, that, that dollar and they want to entice us to join whatever gym or buy whatever workout equipment. And I just noticed that with all the commercials coming up and whatnot and, and any advertisement, even if you're looking on the internet or something. So it's interesting, um, you know, and, and if that wasn't your resolution, sometimes when you get advertisements like that, you start thinking, my gosh, maybe that should be my resolution. But from a Catholic perspective, from a Christian perspective, where I really focus, what really struck me a little bit, uh, we shall say where I felt the, my, my guardian angel nudging me, is really this idea of death. Um, because the new year die, the old year dies and the new year starts. And what happens in death? We start to have regrets is, is what I've noticed or things that we wish we should have done, things that we didn't do, things that we didn't accomplish. I see this all the time when I'm in the hospitals or if I'm ever asked to consult on a person who's, who's passing away. And, you know, there's so many different emotions that come up, so many different um, uh, thoughts that come up for the person who's passing away, as well as for the family members, you know, you start to see interesting dynamics. Somebody passes away and believe it or not, there's a whole lot of fighting that goes on with the siblings um, and the cousins and the aunts and uncles and people will fly in from out of town because they want to make sure the will was signed a certain way, things of that nature. You know, death brings a lot of emotion out in us. Um, but that's not the death we're going to talk about today. I think we're going to focus on a little bit more on a healthier way to die. And is there a healthy way to die or not? You know, if we look at the Bible, what does Jesus say? Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single grain. Now you notice that when Christ talks about death in that verse, it's not uh, a sad death. It's not, I mean, the idea of death is always sad, but there's no controversy with it. When Christ talks about death, he's focusing on the goodness that's gonna come from it. We start thinking about death and, and a single grain, but it's going to yield a rich harvest, right? If, if one single grain dies, boy, it, it produces a whole lot of bounty, a whole lot of fruit. We don't see that. Christ is really focused on the parts of death that we don't see. So I made a list of uh, potential good New Year's resolutions that will help us die to things instead of doing things. Why did I think of that? Because I thought more than anything else, why do I keep thinking about this death part? I think if we look at the Bible and if we look at how we think, we're always thinking about, I got to do more. I've got to do more. Um, you know, the way social media is, the way the internet is, people are nonstop. I don't, I don't really have a social media page. I mean, if you're going to say that I'm on social media, this is it. You know, Virgin Most Powerful Radio, talk every every week and, and enjoyable time with our, our, our listeners and, and being able to share our faith. This is about it. You're not going to really find me on Facebook or any of those other uh, social media accounts, uh, it's just not not part of, of my repertoire. But the interesting thing is when I do hear either patients or friends or anybody talking about that, it seems like this nonstop animal where they're just going down this rabbit hole of looking for things and finding people and finding out what other people are doing. And it just seems like there's they're already doing too much. I would dare say in the new year, when I think about death, um, I think about it more in the sense of, 
when people came to Christ and they said, Lord, what do I need to do to inherit the kingdom of God? Jesus wasn't saying, well, you got to go do a whole lot more. He was really focused on get rid of stuff. When that man came to him and said, Lord, I already follow the law. I already do all these things. He was a wealthy man. Jesus says to him, sell everything you have and follow me. You know, give it, give everything to the poor and follow me. Now, it said that the man went away sad because he had a lot of possessions. And so sometimes we think, gosh, if I don't have a lot of possessions, no big deal. That's not for me. But I would see it in a different way. If you sell everything you have, what are you going to get rid of? That's going to make you richer because you're going to give all these things to the poor. What can I possibly give to the poor? You know, if I sell everything I have and I give my money to the poor, the poor have money and they're no longer poor. Is Christ going to tell them, hey, sell what you have? I don't know. I'll leave that up to Christ. But I think that there's a moment there where Christ is telling us, you got to die to yourself. You got to die a little bit and then you're going to inherit the kingdom of God. So let's go through this list. Let's see what we got here in the new year. I just wrote a few things down and I thought to myself, Instead of trying to do more, because we can always add more to our repertoire, what can I get rid of? If I can get rid of stuff, if I can die to certain things, I think I might be able to produce a rich harvest. How is that going to work here for the new year? So this is my uh, a little list. I came up with six of them, and I want I left the seventh one empty. Seven is a good number. It's always good to have you know a, a good number, like a seven or something of things to do. I want our listeners to come up with your own. I want that to be the seventh one. That's going to be whatever we come up with together. And if you want to email me, my email is doctor, that's dr.sandoval, vmpr, at gmail.com. Let me know what your seventh uh, uh, New Year's resolution is that you want to die to. Um, and for the first three responses I get, and just put the subject line, you know, death, New Year resolution, or New Year's resolutions, I'm going to die to this. Let me know what you're going to die to. I've got three rosaries to give away. Um, and so the first three listeners that respond, send me an email. Uh, you'll be getting a rosary in the mail. Just make sure that in your New Year's resolution, uh, you give me an address so I can send it to you. I've had a few people respond to me uh, whenever there's been any kind of giveaway and there was no address or <laughs> anywhere to send anything to. So make sure you're, you put your name and your address in there uh, to do that. But the first one I thought of was I want to die. So this is my first resolution. I want to die to procrastination. Okay. Why? Because we say, gosh, I'm going to do more. It's not necessarily, and then you're going to say, well, Dr. I'm not like saying, well, I want to do more. No, it's a little bit different because doing more means my focus is on, I'm going to add to my uh, list of things to do. Um, but if I want to die to procrastination, I don't even know what they're, half the time, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing. But if I say, I'm not going to procrastinate, it's a different perspective. I say, I'm not going to procrastinate, which is going to put me in the mindset of, okay, what do I got to do? It's very different because if I think, man, I got to do this, I got to do that, and I'm going to be overwhelmed. You know, I have to do this, I have to do that. No. Instead of thinking what I have to do, I'm going to think a little bit of what I'm not going to do, and what I'm not going to do is procrastinate. So if I'm not going to procrastinate, I'm just going to do one thing first. Give me one thing to do because I don't want to procrastinate. I feel like I'm procrastinating right now. I'm going to die to that. I want to do something first. I decided I want to look up Bible verses for each of my resolutions so that I can put a little uh, Christian behind me. Um uh, shall I say, supporting me. So let me see here. I did a, a Bible verses for procrastination. And one of them that I found was uh, this one here. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to... Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's the wrong one. <laughs> I'm sorry. Here we go. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. I'm not going to be mastered by procrastination. 
That's going to be my first one. All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Before the break, I was talking about the New Year's resolution of dying to procrastination. This year, I'm going to focus on really dying to those things that are not good for me, dying to those things that I don't need, dying to the to anything that I want to get rid of. Uh, instead of adding to my list, I'm not going to go ahead and do a whole lot more. I'm just going to really start getting rid of stuff. So one of the things I want to get rid of is procrastination. A couple Bible verses that, that kind of struck me on that a little bit are, uh, this is 1 Corinthians 6, 12. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. I like that for procrastination because a lot of times we procrastinate doing what we're supposed to do and we do a whole lot of other things that we shouldn't be doing. And it's like, oh, I know I should be doing this or that. And I got my schedule piled up with a bunch of extra stuff or I'm accumulating extra things, but not all things are profitable to me. And so what happens? I start stacking up things I don't need, and then I'm procrastinating on the things that I do need. But the next Bible verse, so that was 1 Corinthians 6.12. The next Bible verse is very encouraging. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. And I think a lot of times the procrastination part is we get a little bit weary of doing the things that we should do. What I want to do is stop procrastinating, get rid of procrastination. And I think that by getting rid of that, it will actually help me focus on the things that I should do. A lot of people say, oh, I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm going to focus on everything I'm supposed to be doing. That can be a challenge because that can get overwhelming. If I start thinking about all the things I need to do, boy, that's hard. But if I think I'm not going to procrastinate, let me just focus on one thing to do right now. If I do that every day, boy, I bet you I'll be much more productive uh, than otherwise. And that second verse was Galatians 6, 9. Let me read that again. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time, we will reap if we do not grow weary. So that was for procrastination. I thought that was a good one. A lot of people say, I really want to do more. Instead of doing more, I'd say, I, I want to do less procrastinating. So that's one of them. The second one I thought was, I want to die to worrying about how people see me. Now, not that I think about that too much, but you know, when when I started thinking about all these different things that, that people in the new year do and they want to have a better version of themselves, whether it be working out or reading more, or getting smarter or this or that. I think it's all about worrying really about what do other people think of me? I want, am I trying to look good for the world? Um, and so I want to die. Let me see. I wrote down dying to worrying about how people see us or see me and let God be my judge. I think that's a tough one because we don't always worry about how God sees us. You know, why do I say that? Not because I think that we're bad people, but I think the world doesn't let us truly focus on God in that respect. You know, uh, the, the world makes it seem like, let me tell you what you need. If you look at anything in terms of commercials, in terms of advertisements, in terms of any of these things, um, the world's telling us what we need. You need this car. You need to have this. You need these clothes or, the, or you're not going to look good. You know, you need to have this kind of house. Or you need to live in this neighborhood because otherwise you're not a very good person. I remember one time uh, my wife and I were walking around a, an art gallery and they were selling pieces of art and whatnot. And it was pretty cool. And, and there was some ocean themed art. I really love ocean themed art. Uh, and they, uh, you know, the, the salesman there on the floor was uh, trying to entice me to buy a few pieces of art and whatnot. They were extremely expensive, nothing that I needed to to, to purchase. Um, and I was just enjoying looking at it more 
more so as a museum type situation than I was actually going to make a purchase. But, you know, we were just kind of perusing. But what struck me was that this gentleman, I know that he was trying to do his job and he was trying to sell art and he was trying to um, really, really entice me into purchasing a very expensive piece of art, uh, which was beautiful, which was which was amazingly beautiful, but I didn't want it wasn't reasonable to to spend a sizable amount of money on it but what struck me was that as he was trying to get me to sell it or to buy it he tells me you know he's trying to really get philosophical on art and he's trying to tell me you know this piece of art you got to understand what the artist did the 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 reason that it's so expensive is because of the troubles the artist went through really what it represents and what struck me at the end where i thought wow i really needed to walk out was he said, you know, and as we purchase this and, and we put this in our homes, and when we have a good art collection, it really makes us better people. And at that point, he lost me in the conversation. Not that I was going to buy anything, but I was intrigued by what he was trying to do, trying to say, and I thought, okay, let's see where he's going with this. I was entertaining the conversation. And then when he said that, he said, you know, that makes us better people. He lost me there. There was a blank my, my mind went blank and I just said, okay, thank you very much. I appreciate everything. You know, I'm not going to purchase this item today. I'll think about it. And we were going to head out. I thought how sad to think that material goods, what the world has to offer is what makes us better people because that's far from what the truth is. But a lot of times that's what we believe, right? If I drive a fancier, more expensive car, I'm a better person than the person who's driving that car that might not be as affordable or looks very old I think I'm a better person so I can be mean to them. Or if I have fancy clothes or if I uh, seem to be better off financially than other people, well, I can look down on people who uh, are not as well off financially because I'm a better person. I don't need to associate with those people. And so that's what makes it really, really challenging <clears throat> because we start to worry about what people think of us and we want to aspire to be like other people. But what we've got to remember is we've got to take a step back and realize all of us are flawed financial, monetary, material goods, those don't make us better people. We're still flawed people. You know, a lot of people turn to the government and, you know, it's so political out there, uh, but they look to political figures and leaders and we they, they all of a sudden deify them almost, make it seem like they're on this pedestal, like they're deities and we need to follow them as though they were Christ himself. And that's the sad part because what you got to remember is take a step back. We're all human beings. We all have our flaws. Just because somebody's in office doesn't mean that they're better than anybody else. You'd think that when people are running for office, gosh, you'd think that they're trying to become Jesus Christ himself and tell you how perfect they are. Everybody has flaws. The question is, who's the best person for the job? And the reality is, am I going to worry so much about how people see me, or am I going to focus more on how God sees me? I think that's what I want to die to this year. Any, any inkling that I might have or worry about, how are people seeing me? Uh, how do people judge me? I got to be the best version of myself for God. That's really what it comes down to. How does God see me? At the end of the day, I'm telling you, when I get called to uh, somebody's deathbed, you know, as the year runs down and I see the year dying, eventually we're all going to head in that direction. What I really want to see is that I got there with less baggage. So I want to die to all these things. How do people see me? Not as important. When people are on their deathbed, they really don't care about that. They really care more about, gosh, did I do, did I do what God wanted me to do? Did I tell people that I love them enough? Did I do all these things? So how does God see me? Because that's what's going to be pleasing to God. Let's look at a few Bible verses for that. 
what is going to encourage me to focus more on how God sees me than how other people see me? We're going to look at the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 31, verse 8. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. That's very encouraging to me because, you know, as people, we worry about getting people's approval. But like I said, we're all human beings. We're all flawed. If I'm worried about getting somebody's approval, I, I got to remember that they're flawed too. And their approval might not mean a whole lot. You know why? Because they're going to come and go. They, they might like me as a fair weather friend when I'm having a good time. But then what about when I'm down and out or not my best version of myself? Are they going to be around or are they going to leave me? God will never leave you. Let's read that again. Deuteronomy 31 verse 8. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. There was another Bible verse, Psalm 73, verse 26. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Remember, this is where we can fail as well. You know, we're human beings. We're all going to fail at one point if I worry about how other people see me. In fact, if I worry about how I see myself, that's what that's important about this verse. Sometimes I really worry about how I see myself and not about how God sees me. And I'm, I can be my harshest judge. You know, sometimes we're our harshest judge. We're great at being negative to ourselves, right? So if I can die to how other people see me or even how I see myself, if I stop being negative and remember, God, the only opinion is God's opinion. That's what matters. Let's read this again. My flesh and my heart may fail. That's where I am not perfect. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Again, that's Psalm 73, verse 26 to remind myself that only God is perfect and I can not even be the harshest judge of myself. Second Chronicles chapter two, verse 17 says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. This is really what it comes down to. You know, if, if I let God be my judge, God already sees who I am. God knows who I am. Listen to this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. That's the part that we've got to remember. God already knows us. God already knows our wicked ways. We pretend like, oh, I cannot let God see me until I'm perfect. I got to improve. And that's when I'm going to turn to God. Once I've decided for myself to be better or once I perfect myself, then I will present myself to God. That's never going to be the case because I'm not perfect. God already sees who I am. But God is saying, hey, humble yourself. You already know who you are. Know, you know who you are. Make yourself humble. Pray and seek my face, not the face of the world. He says, then I will hear from, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. If I worry only about what God thinks of me and how God sees me, everything else will fall into place because God is going to heal all my concerns, all my worries. God is the one who's going to bring peace to my heart, which the world can never bring. So that's the second one. So the first New Year's resolution, die to procrastination. Die to the idea of procrastination. Die to this idea of I'm not going to do stuff. I'm not going to procrastinate. Okay, what am I going to do? Number two, die to worrying about what other people think of me, how I see myself as imperfect, and start to focus more on how God sees me. God sees me as imperfect, but he's so ready to bless me. He's so ready to heal me. He's so ready to forgive all of my sins. I need to remember that. Okay, so that was number two. Let's look at number three. 
Let me look at my list here. Number three is die to seeking help outside of the Bible or Catholic books or the Catholic faith. So, and what I mean by that, die to seeking self-help is what I wrote. Um, a lot of times if you go to, go to the library, go to the bookstores, right? You get to the psychology section, which is actually right next to the faith section, ironically. And you're going to see so many different things. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I need, I need help. I need to find the answers in a book. And we turn to books written by, you know, human beings, authors who have either come up with their own ideas or have pop psychology or, you know, tell you all these things. And we turn to psychology a lot. And people say, oh, psychology is this big thing that's going to heal me because it understands the human mind. Or we turn to, you know, the latest uh, holistic medicine, uh, try eating these grains instead of doing this or that. And that's fair. You know, we look for a lot of self-help books. Ironically, those books are right next to the books on faith, on the Bible, and it's all clumped into self-help. It's like, you know, when you think about it, it was like putting a diamond in the midst of a, a, of a buffet line of food and saying, all this is going to feed you. And all of a sudden there's a diamond there and you're like, well, what's, this is different. It's like putting a Bible in the midst of all these books because the Bible is the only, the only thing that's going to have truth. We're going to come up on the break here, but I want to focus a little bit more on this because a lot of people want to find certain answers from psychologists, from other areas, where the true answers are only going to be coming from the Word of God. More when we come back from the break. All right, welcome back to the Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. Today's show, we are talking about the New Year, New Year's resolutions. However, we're taking a little bit of a twist on them. We're not talking about how many more things we're going to do. We're actually talking about how many things we're not going to do. Getting rid of baggage. Let's die during this New Year to a whole lot of things we don't need. And I bet you it's just going to be like that one grain of wheat that dies and it yields a rich harvest. We get rid of that one grain and we're going to see a whole lot of positivity in our lives. So far, we've talked about a few resolutions. The first one was dying to procrastination. Doesn't mean doing more. It means just doing what I'm supposed to be doing and not putting it off, right? That's the biggest difference because every time New Year comes around, we think I got to do more. I got to do more. We only have so many hours in the day. Instead of trying to do more, get rid of procrastination and just do what's right in front of me. Uh, do what I'm supposed to be doing, not add to my list. I think that's a good one. Number two, die to worrying about how people see me, you know, and even how I see myself and only focus on how God is seeing me, which means that in my actions, I'm going to be focused on how is God seeing me right now? Am I doing the things I'm supposed to be doing in the eyes of God and worrying less about people? I bet you a whole lot of anxiety will go away. A whole lot of worry will go away. A whole lot of different things that we don't even realize is there consciously, subconsciously. Uh, we don't, we're not even aware of the things that are bringing us down. If I forget about what other people are thinking or worrying about, if I forget about what even I'm worrying about in terms of self-negativity or anything like that, just focus on what God wants for me and focus on that every day. I bet you I'm going to find a whole lot of peace and a whole lot, get rid of a whole lot of anxiety uh, is really what it comes down to. The third one's tied into that because a lot of times when we feel overwhelmed with the world, a lot of people will go to self-help books. A lot of people will go to look for, you know, the best public speaker and public speakers are intriguing. You know, there's people who will give us so many nuggets of wisdom. Um, but really at the end of the day, it was good to hear. I felt really good after that talk, but did it change my life? You know, did I did, truly, did I listen to a speaker 
and it changed my life. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes an encouraging word will change our lives for the better and we and it changes our hearts and it makes us puts us in the right direction but does that happen every time now if it does it's great it's really the holy spirit working through that we have to give each other words of encouragement um but a lot of times we are very quick to seek help outside of the words of the holy spirit or the idea that my encouragement came from the holy spirit we really attribute you know all these things to a person and we say, Oh, I need to follow this person online. I need to listen to what this person says. And we forget a lot of times, well, if I'm inspired by something, all inspiration is, is coming from the Holy spirit, which if I'm inspired by listening to somebody, that's great, but that better be turning me to Christ. How is it that whatever this person is saying is, is, is that making me turn my heart to Christ and to God? And so I tell this to a lot of people because sometimes people will come to me and they think Dr. Sandoval is going to have the answer that I, that I don't have. Now, don't get me wrong. I will help you. And hopefully, as we have a conversation, it'll inspire you during therapy sessions or anything along those lines is what I tell my patients. It'll inspire you to turn your heart to God and, and really realize that anything good is coming from God. Any positive inspiration is coming from God. That's where I hope your heart is. Um, but that's all you're going to get, really. I, I'm I'm no different in certain, at the end of the day. I'm just a human being with my own flaws. So it's important to recognize that, yes, we help each other. We have different skill sets. But when we go to those health, self-help sections, we got to understand all this really comes down to at the end of the year, as the year is dying, as I am dying, am I getting closer to Christ? I want to focus on instead of going to those health self-help books or anything like that, die to all that pop psychology. And really dying to that leaves me with what? The truth that is the only words of life come from God, from the Bible. So I want to focus on any self-help, getting rid of any popular self-help, and focus on only looking at the Bible or Catholic books, Lies of Saints, uh, the Catechism, finding the truth. That's really going to change my life. If I'm if I'm going to be able to focus on Christ better, that's going to change my life. A lot of times people ask me, "What's the best prayer? Is there the best prayer for this or that?" I say, yeah, the, the best, there is actually a best prayer for deliverance. There's a best prayer for everything. And the best prayer is whichever prayer makes your heart turn closer to God. That's really what it comes down to. It's not one prayer. You know, it's the prayer that's going to increase your faith. So let's look at some Bible verses that help me to remember that the truth and the bottom line and anything that's really going to help me is only coming from God. Let's look at these. I got a few Bible verses on that. I really want to focus on this because a lot of times people want to come to a psychologist or a psychiatrist or some kind of therapy and think that that's where they're going to find the answers to life or their solutions. But really, the only true answers to life are coming from the word of God. Let's look at John chapter 13, verse 7. Jesus answered and said to them, what I what I do, you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. And that is so true because a lot of times when we're going to those self-help books, boy, we're looking for an answer right now. And those books will, you know, people's different theories will give you an answer right now. And they'll tell you, I have the solution for you. And we buy into it. What we've got to remember is that when we're talking to God, the truth is we might not understand what's going on, but we'll get our answer in due time. We have to learn patience. That's one of the big things to dying to the self-help pop psychology of I, I want the answer now. Um, let's look at another one. Psalm 91, verse 15. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. How many times do these self-help books really say, I'm going to rescue you and honor you? They can't because they don't have that authority. 
at the end of the day, it's only God who has the authority to rescue us and to honor us. It's only Jesus Christ who can do that. And that's why he came down to redeem us on the cross. That's our self-help. Focus on the crucifix. Look at the crucifix for a little while. Sit there and meditate on this crucifix. Trust me, that's going to be the self-help. The most important self-help, go sit in front of the tabernacle for an hour. Don't say a word. Just sit there. Be present with Christ. Ask Christ to be present with us. That's it. That's that's your self-help. That's going to give you so much more than any other book. But we forget that, right? Because we're so quick to, I want the answer now. I want to understand it. Yet the truth is, the understanding will come down the road. Let's look at Psalm 118, verse 21. I shall give thanks to you, for you have answered me, and you have become my salvation. Really, are the, where are we looking for our salvation? This is what happens with these self-help books. We start to look for salvation. We start to look for answers in different areas and different nooks and crannies of life because we think this is what's going to save me. This is what's going to perfect my life. But the truth is the only salvation comes from God. I can give you different ideas, but if all these ideas don't lead us to Christ, it did me no good because I'm going to be back at square one. I'm going to be back at looking for my next self-help book. Now, I'm not saying they're all bad. Again, you can find a self-help book. And if you tell me, Dr. Sandoval, I read the self-help book written by this author and they were a therapist or they were just a guru or they were whoever, but it really showed me how Christ is the truth and the way. I'll say that was great. That's exactly what, you, what your heart needed. You, you needed to get to Christ. At the end of the day, that's the bottom line. If whatever we're doing, whatever therapy we're going to, uh, whatever self-help solution we're looking for, doesn't get me to Christ and understanding that Christ is what's going to heal me, then it didn't really do me a whole lot of good in the long run. Um, it might feel good for the moment. Again, you can go to these talks and you think, wow, very inspired. But at the end of the day, it didn't give me the answer that I needed. Let's look at the next one. Uh, Proverbs 16, chapter 1. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. I like that. The plans of the heart belong to man, okay? So in our hearts, we're planning, we're trying, we're doing the self-help thing, or we're, we're looking for answers for ourselves, and that's in my heart. But the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. It's the same thing like I just said. The answer of the tongue, whatever you hear, whatever, if you get the answer, you get the right answer from somebody, you hear the right thing, it's the word of God speaking to us. If it brought you back to Christ, then that's the word of God. That's, that's really what it comes down to. Listen to this one, Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3, call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. Now there, right there, should, if that doesn't inspire us to focus on God as self-help, because again, what are we looking for in these books when we go to a self-help section? We're saying, hey, I think that there's going to be answers there that I'm searching for answers and I don't have the answers. I do not know. And this is what's going to give me the answer to things I don't know right? That's what we think. The truth is this, call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. That's really what it comes down to. God is going to inspire us and he's going to give us the true answers. He's going to show us the right way, the direction. Um, there's no, that, that's the bottom line when it comes to self-help. Let's look at the next one. For I hope in you, O Lord, you will answer, O Lord, my God. Now, this one's important because when we go for the self-help, we need to have that faith. We need to have our hope in God. If we're with a mindset, you know, I want to die to seeking things from, from other people because they're going to give me the quick answer. They're going to give me the quick answer. They're going to tell me this is your solution. But again, remember, we're getting this answer and the solution from a fellow human being who, you know, maybe read a different book or had a different idea or who's just as flawed as I am, doesn't, doesn't really 
do me much good in that respect. But in this case, Psalm 38, verse 15, for I hope in you, O Lord, you will answer, O Lord, my God. Where am I looking for my answer? Who do I want to answer my questions? Do I want this author to answer my questions or do I want God to answer my questions? Where am I seeking the help? That's a great resolution, I think. You know, if I'm going to focus on what are the answers to my anxieties, my worries, my, you know, whatever's going on in my life, where do I want to get that answer from? Do I want to get it from a person or would I rather get it from God? We don't always think that way. It's not easy to think that way. But I think that that's truly where we're going to find peace and, and the truthful answers. Okay, let's look at the next resolution. Number four is die to gossiping. I thought this was an important one. Not that I think that I gossip a lot necessarily, but as I was thinking about resolutions, I have to ask myself, where's my tongue? How do I talk about people? Or am I being always honest more than anything else, being honest when it comes to the things I say? Does my yes mean yes and my no mean no? You know, diet gossiping. Because <clears throat> sometimes if, if, uh, if somebody asks me a question and I'm not forthright or if I'm not even uh, uh, wholly honest in my answer, if somebody asks my opinion or something, I'm kind of gossiping about myself, if you will, because I'm giving a half answer and that person might go down the road and say, well, Dr. Sandoval said this. And I might say, well, that's not what I meant, but is that truly what I said? You know, am I dying to gossiping? Meaning being honest truly in what I have to say. Let's look at a few Bible verses about that. I think it's pretty obvious what gossiping is, right? So people say, well, what's gossiping really? You know, it kind of goes, it goes against the eighth commandment. It goes against bearing false witness. You don't want to bear false witness about other people. And you definitely don't want to bear false witness about yourself. You know, it's important. We don't always think about this, I think. Sometimes we think it's harmless. But the best example I ever heard about the, the bad uh, effects of gossiping, which actually I will talk about after the break because our time's coming down. But stay tuned because we got to talk about gossiping and really what the effects of gossiping is. More about that after the break. All right. Well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. Today, we are talking about New Year's resolutions and really, instead of doing more, really dying to things, doing less really is my New Year's resolution is to do a whole lot less uh, because we live in a world that tells us that unless we're doing more, unless we're, you know, capitalizing on life, unless we're going out there and getting more things when we're not worth a whole lot or we're not doing the right things, or we're not that important, whatever it is, whatever the message is that we're getting, uh, it's important to remember sometimes God gives us a different message. Sometimes God tells us, hey, slow down, do a whole lot less, die to yourself a little bit, and you're going to grow a big harvest. You're going to actually gain a whole lot more in the long run. Got to remember the year is a marathon, not a race. So we want to take it nice and easy, nice and slow. Let's see where this leads us. Before the break, we were talking about <clears throat> dying. This is my fourth resolution, dying to gossiping. Dying to gossiping, I think, is a big one. We don't appreciate sometimes the power of words and the power of saying something about somebody else. And sometimes the worst gossiping isn't even uh, the truth, because let's say I know the truth about somebody. I know one of their flaws, and I go and I spread that. Well, I could say, you know, I was being honest. Yeah, that person truly, that's what they did, or, or that's really one of their characteristics. So at least I was being honest in what I said. Sure, okay, fine, you were being honest, and but really, did you really need to share that information? Was that necessary? How did that benefit anybody? I think the worst gossiping is when we say, 
I think that, I heard that, because all of a sudden we're interjecting our own opinions that are not true, may or may not be true, but for the most part are not true. And I'm just creating in the ears of other people a truth that might not be there. And now I'm creating a lie because I might say, I think that person has this and this and this. And other people will say, oh, that's probably true. And then they're going to spread what you said as though it were true, regardless or not. You know, I think that they are suffering from manic depressive disorder because I saw them do this. Now, are you a psychologist? Are you a psychiatrist? Even as a psychologist or psychiatrist, I cannot have a mental health opinion on somebody I've never treated. It's not uh, professional. It's not prudent. And in fact, it's, it's, it's really unprofessional. You can get in trouble for that. But people will randomly say, oh, I think that this person has this or that. And when we say that, all of a sudden to the listeners, that becomes the truth. And then they're going to go and say, well, you know, I heard they did that probably because I heard that this is what they have. And all of a sudden it becomes the truth. That can be a big problem. The best example I heard about that was somebody saying, gossiping is like taking confetti, throwing it to the wind, letting it fly out, and then telling somebody to go out and pick up every little piece because that's how much damage has been done. You might find one or two pieces, but really the damage is out there and, and it's really hard to rein that in. You know, confetti to the wind, good luck. You know, it's, it's all out there. So we got to be really, really careful. And we got to remember how powerful our tongues can be. Uh, a few Bible verses on that. Let's see here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. You know, that's important because if I'm going to die to gossiping, I might want to fill that hole with learning how to compliment. If I'm going to gossip about somebody, if I'm going to say something about somebody, I better come up with a compliment. I better say, mm, I'm going to die to that gossip. I'm not going to say that. Say that. Well, I better find something nice to say about that person. And like my dad used to say, if you can't find something nice to say about somebody, just don't say anything. It's better to not say anything. But even the Bible tells us, I mean, it's not something new. Gossiping is something so old. We see it in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians again. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Remember, when we build each other up, we're building up Christ. We forget that there's a communion of saints that we're all linked. The more I build up somebody else, I'm going to build up myself. The more I bring other people down, I'm going to bring myself down in their eyes, in the eyes of the world. It's not, it's never pretty. Uh, let's look at the book of James, chapter 1, verse 26. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. That's pretty powerful right there. Let's read that again. Again, that was James chapter 1, verse 26. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. That's pretty true because... What is our religion? Our religion is the, that which we believe, our, our, our faith, uh, that which we proclaim to follow. Really, everybody has a religion. Even people who tell you that they don't have a religion, they say, I'm atheist. That's their religion. That's what they follow. They follow the atheist religion. It's a way of thought. That's really all religion is, is, is a way of thought that I follow. So it doesn't matter what people tell you. They might say, I'm not religious. No, everybody has a religion. The question is, which religion do you follow? I follow the Catholic faith. That's my religion. Other people's religion is politics, right? That's what they, that's all they think about. They follow politics and that's how they live their lives. Other people are atheists and they say, I live a life in the way with the beliefs that atheism is what's important and they have follow the religion of atheism. So everybody has a religion. 
The important thing with this verse is James chapter 1, verse 26. Those who consider themselves religious and do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. This is really speaking to us as Catholics, you know, because we say that we are religious in the Catholic way. Again, this is a verse coming from the Bible. So it says anybody who considers themselves religious or holy before the eyes of God is really more what this is saying. Um, but if we do not keep a tight rein on our tongues, we're, we're bringing other people down. Our religion is worthless. We're not truly, truly following what we believe. Look at this one. This is just straightforward from the book of James, chapter 4, verse 11. Boy, James really likes uh, to talk about this. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. Why is it saying that if we speak against our brother or sister or anybody or we judge them, um, we speak against the law and judges it. Well, who is the law? The law is God, right? And we don't understand for each other what our relationship is with God. I don't know your relationship with God in particular, your personal relationship with Christ. Nobody knows my personal relationship with Christ. I don't know what's going on in, in the interior life of each human being. Um, sometimes I don't even know what's going on in my interior life. I have to get in there and, and really focus on my examination of conscience. Am I following God the way I'm supposed to? <clears throat> these are important things, but if I judge somebody without even knowing their interior life, you know, I'm judging God. I don't know what, what's going on with them. This is the last one I'll read on this. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 16. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. That's really the bottom line. God is the final word on our uh, on our lives, and he is the final judge. When we gossip, we're judging people. Really, God is the final judge and the only judge. So I'm going to get rid of gossip. I want to die to any kind of gossiping or be aware of it if I am doing it. And I want to focus more on complimenting. I'm building up. I'm building up the people of God in the new year. Let's look at this one. If we do that, another important one I thought was dying to grudges. Why? Because sometimes when we hold grudges against people, when we don't forgive people, when we're carrying on this grudge, that's when we tend to gossip and do all these things. So if I die to grudges, if I die to holding on to the evil that people do, or that now I have evil in my heart, I have hatred in my heart, I have unforgiveness in my heart because I have a grudge, what does that lead to? That leads to a different kind of death. I want to die to the grudge so I'm not creating other deaths here. And let's look at let's look at the classic example of this. Genesis chapter, um, let me back up here. Genesis chapter 4, uh, verses 4 through 8. Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel for and for his offering. But for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and of his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? Now, the important part about this is this is really the first grudge that we see, Right. Because he's jealous. He's jealous. Cain is jealous of Abel. We know the story. What happens? Cain kills Abel. Our grudges lead to death. I want to die to grudges. I want to focus my sacrifices on God. How is this? How is this possible? Why do I do this? How do I get rid of grudges? Well, let's listen to what the Lord said to Cain. Because remember, he's asking him, why has your countenance fallen? He knows that, that Cain is jealous of Abel. He knows that he has a grudge against Abel because Abel seems to be more favored in the eyes of God. And he says this, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, 
but you must master it. Cain told Abel, his brother, <clears throat> and it, back up a little bit there. Let's just stop right there because that's the important part. So again, if we start looking at other people, we start getting jealous. We start holding grudges against people because we feel that they did something against us or their life is better than us, or we should be better than that. You know, we start holding these grudges and we start focusing on hatred really more than anything else and on how much we actually want to kill this person. I've heard people say this before too. You know, I've, I've heard this in just regular conversations where somebody walks in the room and uh, a gal's all made up and she looks very beautiful. She's got her hair done and she's, she's dressed to the nines and other, another gal sees her and says, Oh my God, she looks so good. I hate her. And I turned to my friend and I said, why do you say that you hate her? Because she looks so good. I said, well, that's, that's a pretty strong reaction that she looks good and you hate her. Are you envious? Are you, are you holding a grudge? I don't understand that. And she said, ah, I just feel like, you know, she's making me look bad. I'm thinking, gosh, she didn't even have anything to do with you. You know, she just walked in, she fixed herself up and that's great. And now you're jealous of her because you feel like you're not good enough or you're not as good as her. Well, one of the challenging things there is, are you holding a grudge against this friend of yours because you think they look better? Because you think that, you know, they're more favored than you are? That can be really tough because now you're going to be harboring death down the road. But here's the important part. This is where God tells Cain, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you. This is where Jesus is saying, stop worrying about everybody else. Do well yourself and everything will fall into place. Don't worry about holding grudges. Let people be people. Let other people have their imperfections. Let other people have their perfections. Whatever it is, don't worry about that. Again, this is worry about how you're looking before the eyes of God. Do what you know you're supposed to be doing. Don't worry about what other people are doing. And God is going to lift you up. Will not your countenance be lifted up? But if you're not doing that, sin is going to overtake you. And sin is what's going to kill you. You're going to want to kill somebody else. You're going to want to hurt somebody else. You're going to want to slander, gossip, whatever it is, whatever level or degree of death you're going to wish upon somebody um, is really what's going to end up killing you. And that's really the hard part, getting rid of those grudges, not focusing on what other people are doing, saying, you know what, I'm going to forgive people. And I'm just today going to do everything that I need to do. That's the most important part. All right, folks. The last one is die to the idea that the grass is greener. I want to die to the idea that, you know, and this goes along with the grudges and everything else. I want to die to the idea that the grass is greener uh, for everybody else and not for me. I'm going to focus on what I need to do. The grass is not always greener. And this is where Jesus himself tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Remember, God is always looking out for us. That's the bottom line. That's the end of the day. I want to die to everything but God. If you're listening to my show, if you listen every week, send me an email. Let me know what you're going to die to this year, what your New, year, New Year's resolution is for death so that we can live. And to the first three responses that I get, send me an address and you will be getting a rosary your way. Um, again, this is a new year. Let's make it about God and not ourselves. Let's make it about us being lifted to the kingdom of God. This is Dr. Sandoval saying, as always, let's keep it Catholic.